Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at a uh, kind of a classic DC character today. Before we do, I want to let everybody know that we have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon out there. Multiple levels to suit whatever your needs are. And at the top level, the King Kayfabers, they actually get to sit in on our recording sessions. So they are watching now and talking to us in the chat and interacting. So give that one a shot if you haven't already. You can find us at patreon.com slash cartoonistkayfabe. We are also working cartoonists, so one of the best ways to support Cartoonist Kayfabe is to buy our books. Ed Piscor's Red Room, X-Men Grand Design, Hip Hop Family Tree, and WYSIWYG all available at finer comic shops and bookstores everywhere. Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel Princess of Poverty, Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, and The Plain Janes are my latest offerings out in print these days. So add those to your shelf if you haven't already. And get ready to go down DC memory lane with Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson's first appearance. Well, first Swamp Thing issue. Yeah. I guess is the way to say that since we did have a Swamp Thing appearance uh, sometime before this. But the Swamp Thing that we think of kind of begins here. And I have a Roots of Swamp Thing that we're going to look at. This is a reprint from 1986. Um, reprinted several times. You know, like one of these... Uh, one of DC's hit characters in, in so many ways, and really breaking the mold when you think of Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Swamp Thing, uh, kind of out there. Totally, man. And, and, you know, with the revitalization that Alan Moore brought to the game, get to see Adrian Barbeau's topless and rolling around in the swamp, and then if that wasn't enough for you, you could see Heather Locklear being carried away <laughs> by uh, Swamp Thing. Like those, those flicks. Like we rented those a million times. Yeah, they were when big I, when man. I was when I was growing up, man. And then and then after wrestling and certainly during commercial breaks, there was always the commercial for that like real cheap, shitty looking, uh, TV show. Yeah, the USA thing. USA yeah. TV show. I remember as a kid, like just never understanding like how come when Toxies, on uh you know, a comic convention, he looks so dumb compared to the movie. And how come this Swamp Thing looks like a Ben Cooper costume, but like the movie one looks so good. Like if the movie one was just on his TV show, like I would watch it. And then it's a different guy. Like I never understood any of that, the logistics. Yeah, that's, uh, man, before anything except practical effects, there weren't a lot of comic book movies. So you had yeah. to, uh, you had to take what you could get. That was a big deal. Made toys, uh, you know, as a result, that was so. a, that was actually the cartoon, man. Swamp Thing, you make my heart sing. That was like the uh, the song, man. <laughs> I had the toy, dude. You pull you, what you pull is one hand. Mm -hmm. Like there was a bunch of different Swamp Things. There was the one that had like the grappling hook hand. You pull that shit, and then you click the legs together, and it whoosh, sucks the the hand back to the arm. Well, you can see where it all starts, and it's interesting to look at the beginning of Swamp Thing yeah. and how much this is a Bernie Wrightson vehicle. It, it, in the it absolutely, absolutely. Um, these uh, Roots of Swamp Thing, DC was experimenting, Marvel was doing these kinds of like better paper and recollecting stories from the past. Classic stuff. It's so funny to think of like how we got reprints back then. Yeah. Because you weren't getting the book, you know, the deluxe book collection. You were getting these things, more comics, but comics that were reprinting old comics. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and you know, it's like they, they have this catalog, they own it, you know, they let you know they own the stuff. So how can we reintroduce this material to like a new generation? Uh, the earliest um, DC trade paperbacks uh, were like the Alan Moore Swamp thing, I think, was like one of them. You know, like Warner Books is Dark Knight Returns. Like mm -hmm. it gets a different 
label because probably bookstore distribution stuff like that but like for dc comics it, it might actually still been warner i gotta look in the other room it was like alan moore swamp things we're, we're getting that trade it was not often you would see uh those kinds of collections and they would always fuss with them like they would take the credit box out in those trades so there would just be like a yellow yeah right rectangle with nothing in it on the fucking page and all the little page numbers would be taken out and it would always that like the swamp things it was the toddle bin it'd be like a really sexy painted cover yeah you know it, it seemed like it was those early days of like how do we sell this totally you know to to a bookstore to a different audience and and, uh, and dc did a bunch of this they did uh dead man they did uh marshall rogers you mean this format this format yeah definitely yeah they did the the marshall rogers batman the neil adams dead man yeah um yeah those things were sweet forever people or i guess new gods, new gods. New yeah gods. that new gods collection i feel like that was that was really good new gods up until they did like the uh newsprint hardcovers mm. which i'm 20 year gap maybe sure. between those two editions right but i can remember getting those new gods and being like out of my mind with uh having access to them finally check out the first caption on, on on page one like flip flip to the front and like like just 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 read that for me jimmy the darkness cries a long mournful well that rise through the gnarled cypress branches like a breath of hades wind skipping over the placid surface of the stagnant mire below <laughs> i swear when, whenever alan moore starts doing this one thing he is making fun of this stuff when he's talking about the the uh the red the red sky like like blotted daubs of slit wrists or something like that. Like he's making fun of Len Wein, man. Yeah, it's it's. But but there's a tradition to that because that's Lovecraft, you sure. know, Lovecraft, and and just like the Arkham House horror novels and shit would just pile on. Like you just know the author sitting there with a thesaurus right next to him. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a funny piece because like I was reading this first time I've read this in quite a while. Yeah. And uh, and I was thinking about like just the purple prose nature of these captions, and you know it, it's Stanley-esque in some ways, but Stanley's describing something else, and it made me think: Is this a result of Bernie Wrightson sort of having this like almost moody art that's that's coming along? Right, this is not action that we're seeing that you might comment on. It's much more of like mood setting. So if you're the writer, you got to get in there and add some of that purple prose to enhance that mood. What I'm saying is, should we should we blame Bernie Wrightson for kind of setting the space, setting the stage for this kind of uh, melodramatic prose? What I will say is that the writing tandem is as incongruent as like Neil Adams connected with like Roy Thomas or Denny O'Neill. It's like you got the next, this is the next generation of artists the next level of mainstream comic book art but the writing is not caught up to what these guys are kind of putting down on on the page is this um i think it's 1972 would have been the original material here so kind of a weird nether period for comics too you know you always hear like neil adams talk about how like nobody got into comics within five years of him you know it was like this down period and i feel like that's that time period that early 70s time period whenever things were kind of weird for comics so bernie wrightson you know next generation guy but also almost a guy on an island not he, a lot of artists of his if his style and caliber these guys were not cracking marvel dc but he got his bones at creepy eerie the jim warren stuff and he was a breakout star yeah uh in that realm DC's Marvel starts doing magazines like these other publishers they start doing magazines because of uh the influence of the Jim Warren books and it was probably a boon to get 
Bernie writes in his young upstart into your game. Uh, somebody told us, it might have been Simonson on a shoot interview, who said that like the old timers, like he was there when Bernie Wright, no, Bernie Wrightson and them were there when he got his first job. Um, but like the old timers, you know, Sid Broom and like those kind of guys, were telling Kaluta and Wrightson, like, you guys are making us look bad. We got, we got expensive mortgages and we got families to feed and we got to get these monthly comics out and you guys are fucking young and you guys are eating top ramen and taking a week to draw a page and you're fucking making us look bad. It's almost like those union employees of like, hey kid, stop working so hard. You're making us look bad. I was going to say wrestlers because you would hear about wrestlers coming through the curtain and like the old timers, the main, the, the main eventers being like, you don't do that match again, kid. <laughs> I can't follow that. Right, man. Um, Joe Orlando is your editor. Yeah. And I, I make note of that because, like, you look at Wrightson, and he's a guy that shows up that, you know what, this is not DC house style. This no. is a unique style. And I bet you not every editor there could figure that out. Sure, but Joe Orlando, EC talent, exactly. man. And, like, you look at this, there's a little Frazetta. There's certainly a lot of... Uh, uh, Gasly Graham Ingles. But it's a space that Orlando's creating. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? It's, that's yeah, not he's every got... editor is, is, is not going to bring what Joe Orlando brings to the table. That was one, like a fascinating time period because like he's he's an editor. Joe Kubert's an editor. He's handling the war book. So they would have these different wings. But like check that out also, man. Tatiana Wood as colorist. So you know Bernie Wrightson is stoked. Like He's got like his EC. He's got the six degrees of separation between him and Graham Ingalls is much closer. And, and Tatiana Wood is somebody that I remember, I don't know if Bissette said it on our interview talking to him, but he's, some, he's definitely said it to me in conversation when we talk about like, because I think his Swamp Things are some of the best looking monthly books ever made. Oh yeah. The, the Bissette Tottlebin team, and he would cite Wood as being like a, a contributor to Absolutely. that quality. So she's a longtime colorist and, and associated with Swamp Things for quite a, quite yeah, a while. Yeah, she, she colors the Alan Moore stuff. And, and like one of the great collaborations, you know, there are very, very very few great collaborations in mainstream comics history and when you when you say great it has to be all people in symbiosis man right and that alan moore toddlebin Bissett, tatiana wood john costanza lettering that's true too uh that is a great collaboration where everybody is fighting the good fight not trying to sort of outshine the next person and they're just making an excellent comic on a monthly basis it doesn't happen often and she was a, an, an important piece of that man because like i feel like like the dave stewart's and shit would take note from her because there's so much cool colors being used and like red shows up in the exact right like right moments mm -hmm. and you see it right here yeah you really do like eyeball the car it, it leads you right through your page yeah um the story, main story here, you know, we're starting like in the present with Swamp Thing looking at this this barn-like structure, and now we're going to do our flashback. How do yes. we get here? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, which, it would, dude, show off the fucking cool guy. You know? Yeah, you do got to lead it's with It's a build. That. It, there's a build to it. Uh, so show off the cool shit, and god damn it. God damn it. Yeah, and our origin story here is Holland and his wife are uh, scientists and working on something that's so important we're going to hide them so that enemies can't enemies of the state can't find them or whatever and it's in the middle of this swamp is where they choose to hide them pretty low security by the way this is a monsanto this is the origin of monsanto <laughs> hey are, are we still on do we still have a youtube channel <laughs> yeah yeah suddenly our our, uh, our signal's been interrupted <laughs> hey man i hear a knock got to got to get your work to your strengths of your artists you know let's get some of that lab equipment in there we know what what bernie Wrightson can do man and that if, 
evil Even, scientist lab. Yes. Gotta have that. Because he was doing that stuff, man. Like, there's that one muck monster joint where uh, it's it's like the ooze is, like, seeping from the mountaintops and goes to the sewers and, and gets reanimated. Like, the, all the test tubes and shit were in that way before uh, his Frankenstein. They call out Frankenstein here. You also see the under table piece, man, which is, that's, that's foreshadowing. Yeah, it won't be the last time that we see that weird low uh, angle. And we see exactly what he's making, this kind of... I don't know, man. Super growth formula. They're going to be able to grow. They're going to be able to grow gardens in the desert. That's right. And that'll just solve everything. And about the time we get to see the demonstration of this amazing drug concoction that he's whipping up, get a knock at the door from some unsavory fellows stepping out of the shadows. They've got. Uh, they want to make their own deal. <laughs> and, and it's so sinister. This yeah. is a time period of there are good guys and bad guys. Yes. And these dudes are bad guys. Just so swarmy looking and double lit with the green shadow on his face. Yeah, no question as to how these guys line up. So fascinating, man, because the, Bernie writes and doing a you know monthly book, and he couldn't sustain it. But uh, this is still early in his run. He's figuring stuff out. You were talking like you know you're starting a new strip, and the kind of uh, you got to get your sea legs. Uh, Bernie's getting his sea legs here. This is incredible stuff. Very well lit. You can tell he's figuring you know posing stuff and, and getting that double lighting. But this is still pretty rudimentary. Bernie writes in it right here. He just continues to grow and grow. Yeah, they managed to, to chase off the bad guys once, and whenever they get another noise at the door, this time it's a dog. Yeah. And uh, real, real cartoonish little pup. <laughs> it really is. Almost a mustache. Looks on like his yeah, face. it looks like British. Like uh, like Dum Dum Dugan got hit with a ray. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the Hollands can't resist this this charming dog, and we cut to. They have a radio transmitter in his head. It's so golden age, you know, like the spies and saboteurs of the golden age. Uh, the dog is a very important story piece for what Len Wein is, is proposing here for the story, which, you know, fuck it, it's a million years old comic. The wife is going to die. So, like, you need Swamp Thing to have somebody to talk to. Yeah. Some stakes. Look at how gnarled up, like, the hands and oh, all the folds it. in the clothing. Oh, yeah. It all, it all suggests the planes and stuff, the, the, the lighting. He's very adventurous with the angles also. Yeah, that's true. This, this, to me, it's all the formula for the horror. Sure. The angles and all those gnarled up limbs and the shadows everywhere. This is a very instructive piece of storytelling uh, right here with the bomb thing, right? Because it lacks continuity, and that is fully a function of readability for us, the viewer. If you're just reading this like willy-nilly, like a fan, you never notice it, but you see that the dynamite gets switched around here. Why? Because we need you to know that this is dynamite. Like right. it, from this angle, if you're just seeing the blue thing and it's obscuring the dynamite sticks, that doesn't work. It, it's more it's more work for for the reader. So I think that this is actually a very very smart decision, even though it abuses continuity. Makes me wonder if that's an editorial change, if that's something an editor would have caught and been like, you know what, we need the dynamite out. And if it's not that, it's just it's just uh, the storytelling instincts of a young Bernie Wrightson. It's a good, I'm glad you point that out. It, it totally slipped my my uh, attention going through it the first time, and uh, it's a good detail. I felt this when I was a kid reading that. Like, that is so ghastly. And, and Swamp Thing is a character because of the reinterpretation of Alan Moore 
and the movie and a TV show. And I think there was even like, since we're doing kayfabe, I think there was like a new TV show that like had an episode or two and it went away. But the origin has been adapted, you know, nearly as much as like a Superman or something. So like we've seen this in real time, even as a little kid, I saw this, 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 I didn't know he was a comic character first. I thought it was just movies uh, like Toxic Avenger. But um, I just feel that moment and, and the way he does that face this feels so much like a golden age piece to me. Mm. That that first panel, you sure. know, with just everything's just murky lines. Yeah, it feels very, uh, very much in that mold. And it's a it's a very easy origin to follow. Of course, he's yeah. exposed to his chemicals. You know, sure. we've seen what one drop does, and now he's been exposed to all of them. So yeah, it's kind of a uh, pretty easy to follow setup, and happens quick, right? Like he's getting buried in the ground, and she's going back to work a couple days later. Right. And we are going to see him emerge from the swamp, which really, like, this is your money stuff. This is the stuff I remember from reading this, you know, pretty young in my life. And what left a mark for me, it's seeing a monster rise up out of that swamp. Muck Monster is a grand tradition in comic book lore. Man-Thing actually comes before Swamp Thing. And before that, there was the Heap from Airboy Comics in, like, the Golden Age. I think there was a Tomorrow's book or a John B. Cook book. That is just about bog monsters. I think Beset authors, if not that book, a book on that subject. Yeah, there was like Basil Wolverton stories. Like the bog monster, the heap, is a grand tradition in uh, in comics. And, and Wrightson is just carrying on that tradition. When you look at this money shot, knowing what Beset and Toddlebin do, this looks so prototypical to me. Uh, it, I, Bernie Wrightson must have been over the moon whenever he saw those young lads doing what they were doing with his character because while cool you know this is iconic this is the swamp thing from the animation and shit but uh beset and toddleman take it to another level yeah they really do it's it's pretty wild to have such uh, masterful artists interpreting a character in such different ways yeah. and having it be so successful both times. Because I look at this and kind of marvel at some of the, the marks. The lighting and stuff. But it is a totally different version of the character than what we're going to see those guys do. And Wrightson is one guy. Beset and Toddlebin, that's two. So Wrightson, while being a master of texture, light, form, and all the necessary pieces to get you that super sexy Swamp Thing, he's doing this comic himself. So there needs to be a little bit of economy. I kind of, when I look at this, I wish this highlight, this like double light, was a brighter shade of green. Maybe a little bit less cyan in that to really pop it. Because yeah. it's almost the same greens. You could just do yellow. Yeah, yeah. You, you really could if you wanted to push it to its max. And I wish that it's that a little bit more because I love the way he's lighting the face. Yeah. But I think the color doesn't quite accentuate that lighting choice as much as it could. Um, this was one of those images that stuck with me as a kid. I love this as a panel. You get the Swamp Thing logo at the top. Like, this is your door poster. You sure. know, it's, it's, it's a great image. <laughs> but I would look at, like, this second fist, this lower fist. There's so much power in that fist. Yeah. And that's, that can be a throwaway element if you're, if you're not careful. But he was so, Wrightson, so good with hands. Sure. Like, almost any of these hands, there's something, they're, they're worth that second look. And it really stands out to me, him making a fist down there and the way the light's hitting those knuckles. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right, man. So our dog goes running out, and now Cable goes out after the dog. What's it doing out there? What's yeah, Matt the Cable, who, who is the, the policeman who's kind of in charge of just hanging out around the perimeter, let them do their thing, but make sure that no bad guys get in. Um, like you said, there's a, 
there's not four ways to get to them. You know, there's 360 degrees yeah. worth of... There's one little road. <laughs> right. Park and a cop on either side of that road about 100 yards out, and you ought to be all right. Uh, one great moment here. Swamp Thing's going to go warn them, right? Sees himself in the reflection of that window, that wet window, and realizes he can't show his face. Right. He's terrifying. He even makes his own R sound whenever he sees himself. What a great comics moment. It is. And uh, this made me actually wonder, is this the first different kind of like dialogue thought balloon created for a character? You know how like that's Sandman has his yeah, own yeah. or Spawn has his own, like all that stuff. Is this the first time that that is done in comics where a character has their own unique dialogue bubbles and thought balloons? Yeah. Kay Fabers, add to that conversation because, uh, boy, is that a credit for a letter if that's the first time. Yeah, yeah, and it could be something in the notes, you know, like like something that they aesthetically went, wanted to, tr to try out. It's pretty thoughtful too on your captions. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever, uh, the letter is uncredited in this. Mm. So nice lettering, whoever is responsible for that, maybe if a kayfaber knows, throw that one in the comments because uh, they deserve some credit. And what happens, Cable goes off after that dog and our thugs are back. Yeah. That's tough. Like, fool me once, you know, shame on me, like that type of shit. Like, they didn't up the security or anything. I guess they were expecting that lightning would not strike twice. Or the cable wouldn't run away from the house. <laughs> right. Like, wasn't he stationed there? Man, didn't take much for the bad guys to get her alone. Uh, Swamp Thing sa off saving the dog, who you talk about, Ed, as, as being a <laughs> supporting character as we go forward. Choose the dog over the uh, the, the wife, I guess. Yeah, it, it's a very bold move, and, and, and it feels wrong to me when, when you read this first issue that you just, like, take any of his his uh, human alliances away. Like, like, in my mind, you keep her alive, and then it becomes a thread where where he wants to... He has a reason to bring Alec, Alec Holland back or, or, or you know, try to like Ben Grimm thing, like gain his humanity back. A lot of pathos there if, you're, if your wife is still alive. Exactly. And you can't talk to her. Exactly. It's like, you know, this, the Spawn thing, really. Yeah. Uh, so, so I do think that they missed a lot of opportunity. And I think they might have even recognized that because I think we develop uh, Abby Arcane in the next issue. Mm. Here's an example. When I was mentioning like that Swamp Thing double lighting, like I would have liked a little more contrast in the color. There it is. You can really see it on cable, especially like around the top where you're getting that contrast between the light yellow and the gray of the hair. Yeah. Again, with these great fists. They're so good. Man, I loved all of this stuff again as a kid. You know, anytime the monster, you get a shot of the monster and it looks like the monster. He, uh... He has like gorilla arms, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like human proportion arms. They're much longer and they just look more clubby. Yeah. Yeah. Great sequence too. I, I imagine this would have been a great turn of the page. Oh, reveal. totally. Uh, but guy going through the windshield. Awesome. Um, and you mentioned before, like some of the angles and stuff being adventurous. That's a great one from under the car as we see Swamp Thing charging at the car. Yeah, yeah, shit, man. Drawing the under part of a car. Like, anytime you need to draw that, you can never find the reference. No, <laughs> of course not. How different, too, is Bernie Wrightson's style from, like, your typical superhero dynamic? Yeah. You know, like, think of, like, the Marvel House style versus what Bernie Wrightson's bringing here and how to have, like, you know, like, there's not... I don't feel a sense of motion of that car, for example. 
So kind of interesting to see how he does movement sure. um, compared to what we've seen in a lot of guys like the Kirby and the Kirby uh, followers. And picking up the pieces, you know, the gun has no effect. So these bad guys are getting their comeuppance. Yeah. Which is pretty good, too, something that you might not have seen a lot of in the 70s. You know, I mean, this is Punisher kind of, uh, we're going to dispense of these bad guys. It's a complete story, and it it's almost like, could this have been one of those DC first issue type type comics where you get your one and done, but once you deliver the pages, like Joe Orlando has to go to, I don't know, Carmine Infantino or whoever's the publisher and just like, no, listen... Let's make this a thing. This is so radical to look at and think of through that lens of like, you've got a pile of raw pages and you're being like, hey, we got to do more of this. Yeah. Because it does not look like anything. Like Swamp Thing's always been an institution in our lives. Yes, yes. But man, whenever this first story comes in, they've got to look at it as like, what the heck is this? And let's do more. Yeah, this is brilliant. Like we got that, we got that like hotshot kid. Like let's, let's put a... 12 issue contract or something and just even the stuff that alan moore will kind of pick up later where there are these like mirrored pages where there's the same kind of sequence with the the panel construction on several pages across the spread like like he's really establishing stuff and bernie Wrightson is a tremendous visual storyteller i don't know how it worked i don't know if len was doing marvel method bringing that to dc um and allowing the artist to do so much but we we used actual pages of uh, Bernie Wrights and Swamp Thing in storytelling classes in Cubert uh, School. One of the teachers, Big Mark, for uh, for Wrights in, and there's that one especially like with with the pitchforks on the cover with the heap of dudes. It's the one where uh, Swamp Thing's arm gets gets cut off, and in a nine panel sequence, it com- it comes back. Yes, and how like each of those panels is like an exact me- measure of time. Like, that was, like, one of the examples in one of the classes, like, that page. That's so wild. I love his, uh, the, the way he builds a body for Swamp Thing yeah. is really impressive to me. Because at times, you get superhero stuff. There's a muscular arm here or there. But he's also, like, this weird shape. Like, yeah. you mentioned the arms being too long. And then when you go from, like, an emotive face, that body, to me, is more emotive than the face. Mm-hmm. You know, it just looks so... Down, just beaten down like yeah like it's 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 so sad as he's walking away man like it doesn't hopeless. move yeah it doesn't move the way like a human body does uh that exact composition uh i think it comes from frazetta i think there's a cover you right painting that uh, frazetta right. did yeah same sort of lighting and things um but mm. yeah like there's like it's like a tumored trunk with like uh, kind of a hunchback yeah yeah, there's something tragic almost just in, in his body shape. But man, as he walks away, you, you get it really well. There's a really good Wolverine story with Silvestri doing it. It's like early in Hama's run where Wolverine's walking off in the shadow, you know, like in the distance. And it's this kind of like almost like an animal, yeah. you know, just hunched over and, and dragging. And that's it, man. 24 pages in. This is where your first issue ends. And you see our final panel. We're going to set something up, you know, like yeah. you want to know. Who does that clawed hand belong to? And uh, what are these creatures that are watching Swamp Thing from a distance? Yeah, it makes you real curious, like, how, like, what all influence, like, Wrightson had on the future stories and stuff. Because it it gets silly. Like, there's, like, that Tyrannosaurus that's in an astronaut outfit or something. <laughs> like, like that, that's, that is a story in here, you know? Of course, you get your traditional stuff. You get a werewolf. Uh, the cool thing about issue two is you get your introduction of those, like, on men or whatever they're called the dudes that uh 
uh, are totally from that. Actually, you know what? I got this pulled for another comic. Um, and like, you see all these guys uh, mm. here, right? Like, if you just like scroll through a little bit, you'll see that that's the inspiration for, you know, like literally almost one for one. Like he's just redrawing some of these guys built from hands. And yeah, like totally your hand, your hand guy. Oh man. Yeah. Big Gasly Graham fan. Kind of neat to see too how quickly Wrightson codifies your swamp thing. You know, like there yeah. are kind of like rough shadowy stuff in the first one that I feel like, oh, we've got him now. Like sure. you could make your figure with issue two. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, but listen, man, I don't, I don't know that this will be the last Wrightson swamp things we'll look at. No, and there are some other swamp thing reprints that are pretty good too. So, uh, yeah, I could see us getting uh, going back into this well, and, but also looking at how you get these reprints over the years, over a couple of decades. Yeah, it's fun. Good to go, Jimmy? Yes. Okay, favors like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. And shouts to the people who are supporting us on Patreon, uh, who are watching us stream this video live. They're completely mitigating the kayfabe effect because they're getting all these videos before you get them. Jimmy, tell the people what books you have out there. Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel Princess of Poverty, Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Alive, and The Plain Janes. Order them today if you haven't already. Some of them are shipping soon if they aren't in your comic shop already. And it's always a good idea to reserve those ahead of time because, man, when books go out of print these days, sometimes it can be a while before they come back. Uh, you can also join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my art. You can download out-of-print zines and mini-comics, and you can see my new comic as I am working and developing it. Red Room Crypto Killers, issue one is being solicited, going to be in comic shops in May. Another four issue uh, round of Red Room Comics in 2023. I'm serializing all of them on uh, Patreon before they hit paper. Uh, th three bucks gets you the archive there. There are two existing trade paperbacks for Red Room. Red Room, the Antisocial Network, Red Room Trigger Warnings. It's a 10 year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. Scoop those comics up if you see them. Three volumes of X-Men Grand Design are out in the wild and you may find an occasional WYSIWYG if you, if you look hard enough. Jimmy, what else do we have out there, dude? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, mugs, hats, stickers, and lots more merchandise at our spread shop. That link is also below this video. Beautiful way to support the channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.